a Thurston County football star has been missing for more than a year. Detectives are continuing to search for Investigators him. found the young man's car with his wallet and his cell phone inside. We're not certain that he's dead. We're not certain he's alive. It's what keeps me up at night. Totally out of character for him. Shinobi's family won't give up looking until they get answers. Just desperate to know he's okay. From Sasquatch Productions, this is Hide and Seek. The Investigation of Logan Schindelman. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys. In the last episode, we started talking about Chloe's ex-boyfriend, Jacob. I want to pick up where we left off and dive into a conversation I had with someone who wants to remain anonymous. This person contacted me because they felt they had information they wanted to share. This is something I deal with on a regular basis. People don't always feel comfortable contacting law enforcement, so they keep it to themselves. Since I don't have a badge, people seem to be more willing to share what they know or heard. Alright, for the sake of me having this recorded, I do need you to state your name and say, and I'll ask you a question after that, so can you state your full name? Alright, so, we can't go into much detail, obviously, with your relationship. We, we don't want to go on record by saying what your relationship is to um, Logan, Chloe, Jacob, um, any of them. But you came across some information that was strong enough or I guess disturbing enough for you to feel like something doesn't sit right with you there. And I'll let you decide how you want to explain it, but can you tell me about it? So... In like in response to the description of what Carlos said that he saw ran out of the vehicle. Correct. Okay. So this trip to Vegas. Do you know when they took this trip to Vegas? Early July, early June, and about three weeks after Logan disappeared. In thirty-five thousand for from for and you think that that was from college funds? I have heard that it was uh, a check that was broken. Chloe from the college that she was attending for overpayment on 
on tuition. Okay. And so I know that they went to Vegas. I didn't know exactly the date. Um, I know that they had actually needed some help getting back from Vegas. Uh, but to take $35,000 that you had just received from the college and to need help from Jenny to get you back home, that's interesting. I mean, that's bizarre. You just heard how Jacob and Chloe came into some money, 35000 to be exact. Here's what I already knew about the money Chloe received. Chloe did receive funds that were supposed to go towards college tuition. It was around twenty-five dollars to $3,500. But her and Jacob used the money to go to Las Vegas. Now, this trip to Vegas wasn't about the two of them getting out of Dodge for no reason. There was a wedding in the family on Jacob's side. Considering that this wedding was planned before Logan disappeared, I feel you could understand both sides of the argument about whether one should still go or not. Personally, if it's my family member who went missing, I'm focusing all of my attention and energy on finding them. On the other hand, the trip was pre-planned, the money had been spent on tickets, and it was a family event. That being said, it appears Jacob and Chloe weren't especially close to the bride and groom, and sometimes family events can be, well, complicated to say the least. This is what I know. Jacob is family to the groom. At some point before the wedding, Chloe had some sort of fallout with the bride. I've been told a few stories, but the main point is that apparently the bride made it clear and known to the family that Chloe was not invited to the wedding. If she showed up, she would be removed from the event. So, after painting that picture, would you still go to Vegas to sit outside a wedding that you weren't invited to, regardless of making prior arrangements a few weeks after your sibling disappears? Some people still might say yes. Some might say absolutely not. Regardless of what I think, there will be people who still feel that they would still make the trip even after considering the circumstances. The wedding took place on June 10th, three weeks after May 20th. From what I've been told, Chloe did not attend the wedding. The two spent their time enjoying Vegas. When the getaway was supposed to be coming to an end, Jacob and Chloe missed their flight back. Ginny's financial assistance was needed in order for the two of them to fly home. I spoke with an individual, who I won't name, that was around Jacob and Chloe during the trip to Vegas. I asked if the money they had on hand, when glancing at it, if it looked more like 3500 or 35000 this person said, definitely 35000 The anonymous caller had one other thing they wanted to share. Okay, and so tell me what else, tell me what else you know about the situation or the case or, or what else you wanted to share. I had also heard a rumor that Jake had been um, in trouble with one of the for printing fake checks. I don't know what's truth in that, but after hearing that, it just didn't make sense to me that her brother went missing. They got $35,000 from Chloe's school, and then, you know, the rumor that he had been in trouble with, uh, for, for printing fake checks, uh, just didn't, it just didn't make sense. It seemed kind of odd. You know, all within the time frame of the disappearance of Logan, um, you know, things don't really add up there to me to make to make sense of 
things that are reaching out to you. Okay, and then there was also something that you had you had messaged me that there was also a conversation that you had. I don't know if it, if you overheard if it was secondhand knowledge. I don't know what it was. I'll let you tell me. But there was also a conversation that something was said from Jake that doesn't really seem to sit right with you. So I overheard a conversation about the disappearance of Logan. And someone had said, for God's sake, I hope that he is with his father uh, wherever it be, uh, you know, Australia, Saudi Arabia, wherever the possibilities are. Um, I hope that, you know, he turns out alive. And Jake's response to that person was, no, he's not. He's fucking dead. Drop it. And did that person who he was speaking to, did they have any response to his comment? Did they find that odd? Did they, like, well, how do you even know that? I mean... That's what made me question it the most. Um, it was was unsettling because of the fact, you know, there's been no proof that Logan's dead. You know, same for, for the sake of Logan, I hope that he is out there somewhere. Um, and... And thriving in life if, you know, you decide to move away or whatever the case may be. But from what I gather, it appeared that he had um, kind of got angry, maybe a little bit defensive about um, the situation uh, when, when making that statement. And that's what kind of kind of popped out at me to, to reach out to you guys. Okay. And do you know when this conversation between Jake and this individual took place? I, I do not. Are you capable of finding that out or even kind of just... I could try to look into it a little bit more. It, it might be, uh, you know, kind of hard for the sake of that I uh, would like to remain anonymous. But uh, I could maybe follow up on that later and, and, and try to see what I can find out. In regards to days, I'm gonna guess that it was maybe uh, 2017, uh, between you know, from the time he disappeared to when it was pretty big and, and airing often between social media and uh, news broadcasts. Yeah. And did you know Logan personally? No, uh, not not personally. Did live in the same town, went to the same schools, but I never had a friendship with him. Have you ever had any run-ins with Chloe? No. What about with Jake? No. This conversation that takes place, you heard about it. Did you share this with Thurston County Sheriff's Office, the detective? I have not. You are the first person that I've reached out to regarding Logan's disappearance and uh, information that may help, you know, to his whereabouts or um, no well-being. Yeah. And I know you're, you're wanting to be anonymous. One question I have, though, is the person who Jacob was speaking to when he shared this conversation or had this conversation, that that person that he was speaking to is, I mean, is that something or that you over, I mean, did you overhear it or did this person tell you about this? Was it... The person that he was speaking to relay this information to and you feel that person that who's relaying the information isn't reaching, they're not 
they're not they're not taking his words and and and, and twisting them up like you feel that's exactly what 100 that's what jacob said i believe that that is what he could have said if jacob did say that why it's an odd thing to say usually someone doesn't say something like that unless they know and i want to reiterate that the person who shared this with me was told this info directly from the person it was said to. And it's not like this case has been cold for 20 plus years and all hope of the missing person being alive is gone. This was apparently said a little over a year after Logan went missing. I spoke with Detective Frawley about this. And then I actually had uh, He's like I was talking to about it. Like, you know, I wonder if he's with his dad and he said shut up, he's dead, they're never going to find him. Like, yeah. you don't say that unless you know that. To say, like, they're never going to find him, he's dead. Leave it alone. I don't know. See, stuff like that, I wish people would come and give me that kind of information. Stuff like that, that's something tangible, man. I can stick my teeth into something like that, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, even with you telling me, I can't do nothing with it because it'd be like, it's hearsay, you know? And but I told these guys that. came up to me and said, man, I heard him say that, man, I, I mean, I could turn around and that give me another swipe at him, you know? He yeah. might tell me to fuck off, you know, but... I know another when I make people nervous, you know, they start doing stupid shit, you know, and that's when we start watching them. There's a lot we can do with that. And that's one thing I've always told Mary, same thing. They said, well, that they, they never want to call me, man. And, and um, I'm like, Mary, I can't do anything with that, you know? Yeah. But that, that man, that's huge. They know. If you chat with him again, man, you got to tell him, man, when you go talk to the detective, man, he would love to hear that from you. I can let him know and then have him call you? Yeah. Okay. Mary, I can't do anything with that, you know? And, but that, that, man, that's huge. So, my question for you is, is that something that you're willing to talk to him about? Um, I don't know, I got things on my mind, but it's not like that tight, small where it's like, you know, especially like with the way today panned out, I, all, all unexpectedly, that caught me off guard so bad, yeah. So I definitely got to think about that. I'm not sure. So, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if, it, if there's still a third person in the middle, still a third person in the middle, whether it be me, you, you know, whoever. It's still, you know, it's still that hearsay. And, you know, stir feathers in like a whole different direction. Yeah. If he was, <clears throat> if he was able to keep you anonymous, which they do, is that something that you would consider because for him his position is it's still hearsay even coming from you but it gets him closer to heading in that direction of being like okay well this is the person i need to talk to then because this is who it was said to well i just don't know how to it's hard for me to go you know because that kind of puts me on record you know i mean like yeah i'm on record with you but that's not the same as with thurston county i wrapped up my conversation with this person what I know as of today is that Jacob's family, specifically his mother, isn't fond of what I'm doing. I understand why, but I'm not sorry for it. Because if this was your child who went missing, wouldn't you want me pushing the envelope and doing everything I could to help your missing child? One of the reasons I heard Jacob was not willing to speak with me was because the detectives already cleared his name. My response to that? 
If my approach when investigating cold cases like Logan's or Nancy's is to write off individuals who've been cleared, I personally don't feel that I'd be doing a thorough job investigating the case. And that's not me speaking negatively about the detective's work, but one of the points of why I'm doing this is to look at the case with fresh eyes. And sometimes that means starting back at square one. I want to be able to say to myself and to the family of the victims, I also looked at this individual, here's what I came up with. Some of you may think it's unnecessary for me to do this, but please remember, detectives are human. They aren't perfect. They deal with multiple cases at a time. They don't have the luxury of spending all of their time focusing on one case like I can. So forgive me if this frustrates you, but my approach is leave no rock unturned. During the last episode, Detective Beale met with Jacob shortly after being arrested. That's when Jacob took the polygraph. During this interview, Detective Farley brought up the fact that Beale discovered that Jacob was lying about working in Seattle on Thursday and Friday. Jacob admitted to this and told Detective Farley that he was floating the river with Chloe. I shared with you guys the weather report for Thursday and Friday and how the temperature for those days wasn't within the typical desired temperature when floating a river. When I started looking into Jacob's colleagues, specifically the ones he was calling the week of Logan's disappearance, I was able to get in contact with one that shared important information. So, you, Sasha, still work at Pacific Wall Systems where Jacob previously worked at, correct? Correct. How did you and Jacob meet? Uh, at work. And he started working there before I did. Do you remember when you started working? Oh, I just hit my five years, so December sometime. Your relationship with Jacob during that time, I know you had mentioned off the record before I started recording that you guys went to Black Lake a couple of times, maybe, or and went jet skiing a few, maybe yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, fishing, jet skiing, swimming, drinking. Did you guys ever float a river? Uh oh, maybe. Do you know? I think so, actually. Do you know where you would float the river at if you wanted to do that? Uh, I don't know the name of the river, but I know it's near Lacey. You and Jacob, you guys, I mean, like probably lots of your fellow co-workers at Pacific Wall, you guys become friends. Yeah. When you guys would work at Pacific Wall, or, or you still do, how often do you work off-site? versus working in the shop. We don't work off site. Every once in a while we'd go to uh, a job site to fix something, but Jake did that with me once too, actually. So don't you yeah, normally is, don't work off site. Yeah. If you were to say in a matter of let's say six months, how many times would you actually have to go to a different location to work there? Oh, not at all. Maybe once a year. <laughs> Do you remember the last time you did that? Oh, man, uh, probably about four years ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Thanks. it was a long time ago. <laughs> Normally, it's just the manager that goes, but when uh, Steve was uh, lead of the shop, he wanted me, Jake, I think, uh, I don't remember if Jory went, and then another man that still works there, Trevin. Trevin, um, we all went down because I think it's Trevin. I believe that's the last name, yeah. So, 
when you guys would go to these work sites, did you guys usually carpool together? Because I know there was one one time Steve, Jacob, Jory had to go up to a place up in Kenmore near Seattle. Mm-hmm. Would you guys usually carpool together? Do you remember? Yeah, we usually carpool together. Where would you guys normally meet at? At work. We just leave from work. Okay. What time would you normally get back? Would it be fair to say it would be very uncommon or, or, or would it be fair to say that you guys never return closer to around 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night? Yeah. I want to remind you guys, in the last episode, Jacob, Stephen, and Jory said that they were working in Seattle the week that Logan went missing. Sasha said that working off-site was very rare, maybe a once-a-year situation. She also said that she remembers going with Jacob on one of these trips and includes Stephen and Jory. Sasha believes that this happened around four years ago. I asked Sasha about carpooling together because remember, Stephen and Jory told Beale that they met around 5 or 6 a.m. and carpooled up to Kenmore, which is north of Seattle. Travel time from Pacific Well Systems to Kenmore is approximately an hour and 40 minutes. Jory told Beale that they frequently got stuck in traffic both ways. Also, they were working long hours, and one of the days, they didn't get back until 9 p.m. If you went to this off-site to repair, would it take all day? Would you guys usually sometimes get done before 3, 4? No, we usually take all day. Okay. At least, like I said, I've only done it once, so, uh, and that was years ago. Would you have to spend, like, the whole week up there going back and forth to repair, or is it usually, like, up one day, you fix it, you're done? Up one day, pretty sure you're done. Okay. Do you have a relationship or a friendship with uh, Jory? Jory, I know him, yes, also from work, but he's in prison right now. <laughs> what about Steve? Yeah, she's one of my best friends, too. I haven't <laughs> talked to her in a while, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know where she's at either. Last I heard, she was in Arizona. If you think back then, I believe Stevie was in charge of maintaining timesheets. Does that sound right? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. And was there somebody else who was in charge of that while Stevie was there? Oh, God. Yeah, but I don't remember her name. She was pretty much training Stevie. When you guys report your time, I believe back then, maybe you guys still do it this way or not, uh, or you don't, but there used to be a way of like kind of the old school, you know, time stamping the card when you arrived and then stamping when you left. Does that sound right? Yeah, we used to do that until COVID. Oh, you guys still did it up until COVID? Yeah, we, yeah, up until COVID. How would you report your hours in the rare occasions when you would go offsite? How would you report your hours to to Stevie or the girl that you had referred to? Same way, they just wouldn't take our time because we'd clock in when we got to work and then when we got back because we had to, everybody had their cars at work so we'd come back and clock out. Would it be odd to say that someone called their number, their their, their, their hours in to report like, hey, I worked these many hours? Yeah, I'd say that would be odd, me personally. Okay, and then when you're at these jo- jobs off-site, I mean, is there a lot of free time on your hands or? No. When looking at the work roster for the week in question, 
the roster shows that Jory worked four hours on Monday and eight hours on Wednesday. Steven worked Monday through Friday, eight hours each day. Jacob's time card shows him working four hours on Monday and eight hours each day for the rest of the work week. We obviously know that that's not the case. And it's interesting that Sasha stated that when working off-site, you wouldn't call in your hours. You come back to the work site after the day was over and then punch out. When I looked at Jacob's time card, you can tell by the handwriting that Jacob wrote his name at the top of the card. His card does show that he punched in and out on Monday. As for the time slots for Tuesday through Friday, I'm assuming it's Stevie's handwriting, but it says 8 hours Seattle. So Jacob and Steven worked 40 hours that week, while Jory only worked 12. Remember what Detective Beale said when speaking with Jory and Steven? Talking with Steven and Jory, what they said didn't sit well with me based on their body language at the time. Steven had an extremely vague grasp of time for that week. This was odd as traveling to Seattle or more specifically Kenmore did not happen on a regular basis. Also, Jory seemed all too eager to say Jacob was with him. For me, Steven and Jory's testimonies are questionable. For them not to remember the specifics for a rare trip to Seattle that happens maybe once a year is interesting. To me, it seems like Jory's time card is the only thing that's telling the truth. Jory's time card says that he didn't work on Tuesday, Thursday, or Friday. My thought, no one's working for free. So this trip to Kenmore could have only been on Wednesday, since that's the only day Jory claims to have worked eight hours. So does this mean Jacob also wasn't working on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday? Remember that Jory and Steven claim that they didn't return until later in the evening. Now, Jacob's phone shows him texting Stevie and Sasha at 6.27 a.m. on Wednesday. Let's go to, to Wednesday, the 18th. Jacob sends a text message to Stevie, and, and he also sends you a text message at 6.27 a.m. Do you know what that would be about? What day was it? On or, like, day of the week? Wednesday, the 18th. It was either for a ride or uh, to have us tell them that he wasn't going to be at work. How often did that happen where you give Jacob a ride? I mean, was it common? I can honestly probably say I don't think I've ever given him a ride. He sends you another text at 7.09 a.m. You send him one at 8.15. He sends you another one at 10.32. Probably a full shooting, more than likely. And yeah, sends you another one at 1.56. Okay, so he's... My best guess, honestly, because I don't get too involved with people, so... So he would never call you to report his time? No. When I look at Jacob's calls and text messages, it shows him calling Stephen at 10.42 a.m. later that day. If you're in Kenmore with Stephen, why would he call him? This happens again at 1.21 p.m. And later that day, Jacob receives a text from Stephen at 4.38 p.m. and Jacob responds a minute later. At 4.47 p.m., Jacob calls Stephen and that was the last of their communication on Wednesday. I'm just sharing with you the interactions between Jacob and Stephen. There are lots of other text messages and calls between Jacob and others, but it doesn't seem like Jacob is working at all, nor does it seem that he's with Stephen. Something Sasha said earlier was that she remembers working off-site with Jacob around four years ago. I wondered if this rare off-site job was the same one Jacob, Stephen, and Jory said they were at the week of Logan's disappearance. You, you had mentioned earlier that you had possibly could have gone with Jacob to work off-site? I have gone to work with him off-site once. Just once, though. And you said maybe it was like four or four years ago? 
five years ago? Yeah, it was probably like four years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. It was when I first started. Is there any way possible of checking back with your manager or looking through to see when that actually took place? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, they should have record of it. Do you remember where that was at? I don't. I remember it was someplace past Seattle, though. I know it was a long drive. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came to knowledge of the story or of his disappearance and who told you about it? Um, I cannot tell you who told me about it because I don't know. I just know it was one of those people like to gossip that they're blaming him for it. That they're blaming who for it? And Jake. Okay. Jake told me that they are blaming him for it and that's what he's under investigation for. And he did he tell you this like when Logan first went missing, or do you remember when? Oh, I don't know, sir. I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I don't know how it came up in the car. Maybe a policeman came to the shop or something and pulled him aside. I really don't know. It was probably one of those, like, hey, what was that about? <laughs> did Stevie ever talk to you about it? No. No. What about Steven? No. So the detective went to the job site and interviewed Jacob and uh, Stevie and Stephen and Jory. And so that's probably what, what, how it got brought up, maybe. Probably. You had said that about two years ago, around that time, somewhere around there, that you last spoke to Jacob was during that time that you guys had gone out on jet skis and that even Chloe, his ex-girlfriend, was there. Yeah, I was pretty much the last time I saw him, I believe. Did you guys ever hit it off, like, as friends, you and Chloe? Yeah, I mean, I talk to Chloe. Uh, I don't talk to her now, but, I mean, I wouldn't say friends, but, yeah, we hit it off. Interaction. She might be my friend on Facebook, but I don't I don't think so. Right. <laughs> Nothing ever stuck to you about your guys' encounters or between her no. and Jake fighting or anything like that? No, they always fought, though. Tell me a little bit more about that. And every time we turn around, right, we hear somebody talking about how they're fighting. This is kind of where things get a little muddy with... Jacob's time and, and the people that were there and the detective's report. From what the case file states is that they went to Seattle and were supposed to be up in Seattle all week long working on at the site where apparently there was an error or something. There was something wrong with the walls that had been created. So they had to go up there to fix them. As you had mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. that it's very rare for that to happen. Yeah. And Jacob stated that he was there all week. So did Stephen and so did Jory. Now, when looking at the hours reported, Jacob and Stephen reported that they were there all week. Jory, or his time card, says that he was there on Monday for four hours and then there on Wednesday for eight hours. Stephen said, I would call in to report our hours. And he doesn't say who he specifically called, but I'm assuming it was Stephen. Now, I don't know. We don't really know what actually who called, but Stephen said I did. Jacob said, no, I did. What is it? I mean, what is it? How does that sound to you to know that they were there all week working at this site when you think, ah, no, it'd only usually maybe take one day? Not only that, it does take one day, but it wouldn't be, it's not like they would get a hotel out there. They'd come back every day. Right, right. They do return. As I mentioned earlier when I asked, you know, how late would you return? They said that it, they sometimes it would take them hours to get back because of traffic, but it would usually be sometimes they wouldn't get back till 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, like I said, it depends on the job, really. Like, it depends on the job and it depends on how far away it is. 
I wrapped up my interview with Sasha. I checked back in with her a few days later to see if she was able to find out any information about the job she worked off-site. She said she wasn't able to. I was able to determine that Jory is in prison. I'm currently in the process of contacting him, but I've come to a stop in the road with the facility he's at. The correctional complex is currently experiencing technical issues with their phone system, and the individuals are unable to make outgoing calls, but they're currently working on this issue. The off-site job Sasha refers to happening four or five years ago sounds a lot like the one Jacob, Stephen, and Jory were on. If it's the same job, why wasn't Detective Beale informed of the additional crew members? I'll keep you guys posted what comes from speaking to the people who worked at Pacific Wall Systems. Something else you should know, Sasha enjoys posting on Facebook and uses it almost like a journal. Looking at what she posted in May, almost five years ago, she shares that she floated the river and guess who was with her. The Facebook post created by Sasha says the following, floated the river with Jake, his girl, Tyler, and Stevie. Then me and my girl had an ice cream date. The date of this post, Wednesday, May 11th, 2016. I called Sasha back to talk with her about her post. I didn't share with her at the time of this conversation that Jacob claims to have been floating the river with Chloe on Thursday or Friday of the following week for his alibi. I asked Sasha, when you go floating, what temperature outside do you prefer it to be? Before you hear her answer, I want you to know that Sasha was unaware that I researched her Facebook post or the reason why I was asking this specific question. Sasha's response, it would have to be at least in the upper 70s or 80s in order for me to go. I typed in my search bar, May 11th, 2016. I looked at the weather report, temperature high at 12 p.m., 81 degrees. So what's your take? Is Jacob mixing his days up when he tells Detective Frawley that he was floating the river with Chloe? I'm gonna give Jacob the benefit of doubt and say that he got his days mixed up. It happens, right? So technically speaking, this means we don't know Jacob's whereabouts on Thursday or Friday. And if Jacob got his days mixed up and went floating on the 11th, unfortunately, that also means we don't know someone else's whereabouts. Now, last year on December 1st, Mary Ware and I were talking and she shared something with me that had me perplexed. Mike and I were talking on the way back from my uh, son's house and, and I was telling Mike about what Jenny told me again yesterday that, that, um, <clears throat> that Chloe said that Jake told her he was at work. And then Mike said, well, how could that be? Because Chloe was getting up every morning early to drive Jake to work in her car because Jake didn't have a way there and he didn't have a driver's license. So how does she not know? She had to take him to work every day, right? Well, yes and no. Wherever she took him to, he carpooled from there up to Seattle because he was working on a job up in Seattle. Jake was. And if Jake was notified from his, I guess, manager that he didn't have to work, then Chloe didn't have to wake up to take him in the morning. Right. So why is so Chloe, why is Chloe telling Jenny 
he told me he was at work that day. Right. Let's, I guess, let's, let's, let's back up real quick though. So you're, you, you recently had a conversation with Ginny. Yes. Yesterday. Yesterday. I said something to the effect of, I think Jake had something to do with it. And then she immediately said, oh, and like she, it just occurred to her, Jake told maybe James, is what she said, Jake's story is that he was floating the river and would have been very cold because she gave me the degrees. She says something like 50 degrees or something. Mm -hmm. And she said, besides, she said, Chloe told me that Jake told her he was at work that those two days. So Chloe told that to Ginny. Yes. Which obviously is a very, is a huge, uh, contradictory to what's in the case file because Jake and Chloe were supposed to be at the river. Wow. If you're wondering what Mary meant when she says, Jake told maybe James, is what she said. Jake's story is that he was floating the river. Ginny was sharing with Mary what I had already shared with Ginny, how my first conversation went with Jacob back on September 3rd of 2020. Now, when I spoke with Jacob on September 3rd, I told him that I was aware that he had lied about being at work. I said, I already know, man, that you weren't at work. I think you were floating the river somewhere with Chloe or something, right? Jacob said, yeah, man, it was something like that. Now, after speaking with Mary, I called Ginny to confirm what Mary was sharing. Okay, back on the record. So, Chloe told you that Jake told her that he was at work on Friday? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that would be a, a big problem with his story, especially his alibi, because he didn't go to work, which detectives found that out. But his alibi was that he was with Chloe. So if Jake is telling Chloe, hey, I was at work, then obviously he's not with Chloe at the river. Right. Did you... And the people at work were supporting him. Right, which I've reached out to two gentlemen specifically that he was commuting to Seattle with. And I've reached out to uh -huh. them. I'm waiting for a response. But they weren't actually at work, which is odd that he told Chloe that because his testimony to Detective Frawley was that he was with Chloe at the river. Yeah. Now, when it Chloe said have that been to you, the first lie he ever told her. No, when when Chloe told you that Jake had told her he was working, did you tell her? Well, Jake said he was with you at the river. I don't remember if I told her that or not. Does she know that Jake so. said that he was? I mean, she might know. I might have said that. I just remember her blowing up. Okay. Because his buddy confirmed it and he passed the lie detector test. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know on that one, Jay. I, 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 God forbid, I want that to ever be something that we have to ever go down that path or road, but something doesn't seem right with Jake's story. And obviously, so did so did uh, Detective Frawley and Beale, and they looked into it, and they basically you know, did the polygraph, and he passed it, so they kind of checked him off. But yeah. Logan didn't have any enemies. Logan didn't have problems with people. To think that he went and bought some weed from some random individual when he had friends who had connections, like he was buying from friends, like he doesn't, it doesn't tell me he went to some corner wanted to buy and something badly happened. That doesn't make sense. But when, when Jake says he's working, but he's not working, he tells his friends to cover for, you know, vouch for him and they vouch. And then he says he's actually at the, the river and he's with Chloe, but Chloe's like, Jake told me he was at work. That doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not, I'm not reaching here with the things that I'm kind of putting together. No, you're not reaching at all. Uh, I mean, Logan was... The only person Logan seemed to get mad at was me. He was pretty darn easygoing. Yeah. And he was, he was mad at me because I kept telling him to go get a job. Which he should have. I mean, it's not like you're being hard on him. <laughs> You can hear the hurt in Jenny's voice. We've spent hours on the phone talking. Our conversations haven't always been about us figuring out what happened to Logan or us recording. Sometimes it's just about life. And there's been only a few times during all of our conversations that I can hear the hurt from Jenny. It usually has to do with her wishing she could have done things differently. I can confidently say any normal loving parent knows the struggle or guilt you feel when you self-evaluate and think to yourself, could have handled that differently. Or, gosh, I didn't need to be so hard on them. My heart just breaks. For nearly five years, Jenny hasn't had the chance to deal with those emotions. I've told her and will continue to tell her, give yourself grace. I hope somewhere along this season, this process can be helpful for her. I shouldn't have to say this, but I will. Jenny not showing more emotion or shedding tears in our conversations doesn't mean she doesn't. As I've gotten to know and understand who she is, I can tell she processes things internally. And I know us talking about Jacob's whereabouts and his story not adding up is hard for her. And it's not because of Jacob. It's because knowing what we know now, she's aware of the questions that need to be asked. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the stuff where I'm, where people are going to be pulling their hair out and saying, Chloe, just talk to him. Or they're going to be reaching by saying, there must be something she's obviously hiding when she doesn't want to talk. That's the stuff yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to save her from by telling the facts of the story. No. Person, that's why I'm hoping... She'll watch one or listen to one episode and change her mind. I'm really so. hoping she will. I hope so. I just, I'm trying as hard as I can to make sense of what she's, why she's not responding. It's like me trying to make sense of why Hannah's not responding. You're his mom. I've left you multiple voicemails. Like, why wouldn't you care enough to respond and just say, hey, I, I'm not for the podcast. Like, I, I don't want to go on record, but I will talk to you or help you the best I could. I don't get that either. Yeah, I can't answer that either. I Especially can't. if she can just talk to you off the record. 
anyway, I don't understand her at all. Last year, on July 17th, I sent Chloe the following text. Hey, Chloe, I really want to talk. I'm hoping we can chat soon. I saw you at Ginny's, but I didn't want to try and chat unless you were okay with us talking. Can we chat? Off the record, I'm trying my best to figure out what happened to Logan. No response. During my conversations with Ginny, she would share with me that Chloe wasn't interested in talking because it's too hard, almost to the point of having a panic attack and getting upset, to the point where Ginny told me she didn't want to bring it up to her anymore. I backed off. I thought maybe Chloe would listen to the episodes and see that I'm not here just to retell her brother's story and then move on. I'm here to push the envelope and find out what happened to her brother. I thought maybe it'll be like my experience with Nancy's daughter Sam in my first season. Because when I initially asked Sam to speak with me about her mother's disappearance, she said, no thanks. I had a feeling that once I proved to her that I was serious and all in, or as she puts it, I was legit, she would have a change of heart. Which, if you listen to season one, you'll know that she did and really contributed a lot. By January 22nd, 2021, I had released three episodes. I texted Chloe the following. Hey Chloe, checking back in. Really want to talk. At this point, could you let me know if you're not willing or willing? I finally received a text back. She wrote, No, I want to find out what happened to him and I very much love him, but the media has not done any good and I don't believe in other people capitalizing on his story or infringing on our life by using it to further their career. I replied, Okay, wish we could speak, but I'll respect your position. That was the last time Chloe and I spoke. I guess while we're on the topic, I also want to address Hannah's position. About a month ago, I hadn't received any kind of response from Hannah, but I was able to make contact with the person close to her. I don't want to get into who it is, but just know that the individual and I spoke at great lengths. This person is protective over Hannah. They even took the time to listen to the first five episodes to better understand my intentions. Now, during my conversation with this person, I basically went all in. I played my best cards. I shared information that very few people know about. My hope was that they would relay the info to Hannah, and when hearing it, Hannah would know that I'm serious about finding out the truth and possibly spark some of her own questions. A few weeks later, this individual got back in touch with me. Essentially, Hannah wants nothing to do with the podcast. More was said, but it'll stay between the three of us. I'll end it with this. If things change down the road and either one of you ladies change your minds, I'm here and more than happy to talk whenever you're ready. Next time on Hide and Seek. Okay, I, I got to record this one. Um, you just got off the phone with the detective. So, tell me what you know. Human remains were discovered in the woods of Lewis County, and that has the attention of families whose relatives have disappeared. There are a number of high-profile missing person cases in this area. And Kyra 7's Gary Horker is live now in Winlock. So, Gary, it might be terrible for them to just simply wait for answers. Uh, apparently, 10:30 this morning, some uh, some timber crew was out in Winlock, and they discovered human remains.
have you heard anything at all with your contacts on who or what sex it is? Very painful. In fact, some of them are taking answers. I'm standing right now very close to where timber workers found those human remains and the friends and family of this young man. He's a teenager who's been missing since 2016 came by. That's Logan Schindelman. They're hoping that cases of disappearance here uh, and the finding of human remains will leave people hoping a discovery will actually bring some closure. What did the detective say to you? He was very interested. And that's, um, that's unusual, but he was very, very interested. So Lewis County Law Enforcement, and what they have stated is, and I, it's hard to confirm it, but the, the rumor is it was a male uh, it was, it had been, the remains had been there for a long time, so the, you know, dry bones, uh, and bones and teeth were found. Alright, so I just got, um, notified about remains found, um, Windlock. Yeah, here's, here's the difference between where Logan's phone was at. Not where he lived, but where his phone was at at 3.50 in the morning before it shut off and where the human remains were found. Yeah, it's not far. <laughs>